0: wedding photographers
1: unite unite wedding photographers and welcome to wedding photographers unite episode number 61 i'm one of your hosts annie buscemi alongside uh you know this guy over here uh, neil urban neil What's going on? Hi.
0: How much? Good to be back Good. after uh, after last episode of us being away, which was awesome. Yeah, for um, for our guys to take over.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for Jim and James uh, for taking over those uh, that last uh, episode. Uh, things were just crazy. We'll get into what Neil and I have been up to in just a little bit here. We're, mm-hmm. We have a guest we're going to introduce, but uh, but thanks so much for uh, James and Jim for taking over uh, last episode. Um, that was awesome of of them those guys to do that, and uh it was uh it was cool it was like cool, like listening to your own show, not on <laughs> it
0: <laughs> you know like you know was, you know i I downloaded the whole episode in hoping that I could listen to it on the on the ride home and i I got like fifteen minutes into it, and then my battery died uh but i, I was really enjoying what I was listening to it was, so it was fun, yes yeah. it was different
1: yep no I, I listened to the whole thing it was really great, and I you know thank well obviously because like, I was editing it too, so I had to like um, there's a couple little things mm-hmm. in there that I had to kind of work through some audio issues and <laughs> this kind of thing. So, I, but I didn't listen to the whole thing until until the you know until it was fully complete uh, and I and I actually put it out there. So, thanks again, guys. That was awesome, and uh, we look forward to having both those guys back on at some point soon. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but in the meantime, we have another guest uh, with us today. This is Eric. Um, Eric. Uh, Eric, I may pronounce your last name incorrect, so I'm going to let you handle that. And, um, and when when you handle that, also, um, you know, uh, thank you so much for coming on. And if you want to give us a little bit about your background, that'd be awesome, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's Eric Bruchette, but you can pronounce it however you want. Just call me Eric. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm a wedding photographer. And just touching off on a couple episodes ago, I'm a full mirrorless wedding photographer at this point. So this is like year seven for me. I've been at it a while. Uh, This is my only job, full-time wedding shooter. I don't do anything else other than weddings. Anything engagement shoots? I guess that's part of it. But um, yeah, huge fan of the show, and, and really happy to be here. Where are you from, Eric? I'm in Connecticut, just north of New Haven, and I work basically anywhere between Boston and New York is fair game. I'll go further. I don't venture to the Buffalo area very often, but, uh, I suppose I would if someone wanted me to. Oh, but.
1: you know, this is really interesting because, uh, <laughs> I have a wedding in Connecticut and I've been like thinking, who am I going to use for second shooter? So well, maybe <laughs> after this conversation, uh, you know, I don't know if you do that or not, but I'll ask if you're available. And if not, maybe you can refer me to somebody else who's a good second shooter <laughs> in that area. Um, it's
2: been a while since I second shot, but, uh, <laughs> I'd be willing to, but if not, I have plenty of people. Perfect.
1: Perfect. We'll talk after the, after the episode. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, and then, so actually, so you're from the Connecticut area, area and you've been shooting, you said, seven years, and uh, maybe we'll hold off on the, our main topic for a little, for a little bit, but, uh, but just out of curiosity, because uh, maybe I do want to know, I want to know right now, how long have you been doing mirrorless,
2: you know, within that, within that time? It's been, it's been two full wedding seasons, and so I'm just edging now into my third. So I was like an early adopter, even though it wasn't that long ago.
1: Okay, Cool, mm-hmm. um, awesome, man! I, I'm totally excited to have you on the show because that's something I don't—I've uh, never, you know—I've played with mirrorless cameras in the store. That's the extent of my <laughs> my background <laughs> with, with mirrorless uh, with mirrorless shooting. So it's very cool to um, have you on, and I'm, we're excited to kind of talk about it and actually get the perspective of somebody who actually legitimately uses fault mirrorless on a regular basis, um, especially with that A nine and Curious to hear your thoughts on the end. Yes. Uh, but before we go into that, uh, we're just going to, uh, you know, what have what have we been up to? And I guess we'll go through all three of us. Um, what, what's been going on recently in our businesses? Um, where are we at? How are things going? Um, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we'll start with with you, Eric, uh, since uh, this is a little bit off <laughs> off topic from from our main topic. But but what's been going on in your business lately? Um, where are you at in your in your season? How are things going?
2: So, it's wedding season. I mean, as you know, Memorial Day is coming, and gone. So, we're in it now. We're in the thick of it. I do a lot of weddings. I don't know about you guys as far as numbers go, but I do doubles and triples every weekend. And I don't think I have a weekend free till New Year's Eve. So, I'm pretty uh, – we're rocking and rolling over here. So, we're busy, but that's great. That's the whole idea of being a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, but things are good. I mean, I I – It's early in the season, so I don't have like that, you know, mid-October, like I need five Red Bulls just to get out of bed kind of feeling yet. Um, So things are good. It's been busy, and I'm excited for the season. It never really, I I more or less shoot year-round, but it does obviously get slower. Like you guys have a winter, we have a winter. Uh, Somebody listening in San Diego, they may not have a winter. But um, Mm -hmm. we have kind of an off-season here. It never goes totally dead, but now we're we're totally back at it.
1: Uh, Do you shoot? by yourself or do you uh do you have seconds with you do you what what does your business look like
2: i have a second shooter every wedding it's not required but if you look at how my packages are laid out it makes no economic sense to not have a second shooter um and so my wife shoots a good number of weddings with me as a second shooter and if it's not her her, since we have two kids um then it'll be uh any number of people i pull from from the local area
1: okay Mm -hmm. cool that's that's cool it's nice to know how businesses are set up when we start getting into conversation a little bit so uh, yeah, Neil. What's been going on with you? I know you just got back from a from a trip, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Got a two week trip. Um, our annual vacation before the season starts, and it was also our, our anniversary trip. So we just headed out west, and actually during our trip, we had our portraits taken. Uh, we hired a, a a photographer and and got our portraits taken while we were out there too. Um, and we it was, it was quite different not only to be on the other side of the camera, but to actually be someone's client. Um we we wanted to hire someone who we really didn't know. Uh we, we didn't want to be treated like like friends. We actually wanted to treat to be like clients uh for once. Um so it it was kind of cool. Um Did it was you... quite a learning experience of
1: i'm hmm. sorry did you uh let him know that you're a photographer at all or did you yes you, you, yeah. did? you
0: know you know we we did meet briefly uh at wppi last year um really cool guy and i was like you know if if we ever you know have have an opportunity where we can get our pictures taken it would probably be this guy um he's 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 up there um as far as photographers go as rock stars kind of go um so i just you know we, we we want our pictures taken and uh we want you know we, we really want to be clients and you know, he, he knew I'm a, he, he knows I'm a photographer and everything. But, um, as, as far as friend friends wise, you know, we're, we're not really friends. We're just kind of like acquaintances yeah. and, um, and and that's kind of the experience that we wanted. And, um, so it was, it was very interesting to, to, to watch and
1: yeah, and I always find it clients. interesting. Um, I've had other photographers hire me to shoot photos and then I've Um, but on the opposite end, you know, obviously with the photographer and I've always find it interesting, like when I've shot other for four other photographers, I'm like Mm -hmm. a little more nervous than I normally am because they like know what they know what's going on in the background, you know, especially (laughs) like, like, um, like I shot somebody's who some, you know, like we're going through like an engagement shoot and actually, um, you know, like he was kind of like, Hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do that. Like on this one shoot in particular. And then it just makes you be like, I'm like second guessing what I normally do. And I'm kind of like outside of my box. So I I was, I was wondering if, you know, I don't know how much that if I would be interested to hire a photographer and not tell them I'm a wedding photographer and then see, see, see what the difference is. I don't know. If that makes any yeah, sense, but. yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, the, the, there were there were moments where uh, it was a husband and wife team, and they they did ask what I thought about certain moments, and that they, they kind of took the fun out of it. Um, but you know, I, I yeah. appreciate that that they asked me of of kind of my yeah my point of view. I, I guess so. my
1: point is is like I feel like it's so much easier when you just let people do their jobs. You know, you know, like rather Definitely. than yep. you know, like so if I, actually I did so I had um a Roman you know shot some portraits for me uh, mm-hmm. last year, or whatever. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to tell you anything. Like, because if I do that, you're just going to start second guessing yourself. So literally just shoot however you normally shoot, be creative, do whatever you want and mm. go. And, and, you know, and I was, I was happy with what he did for me for what I was looking for. So, um, yeah, yeah. so anyway,
0: uh, yeah, so, cool. Well, cool. But yeah, but yeah, now I'm back and, uh, still working on that stupid website of mine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh and i've been uh i've been
1: busy shooting the lilac festival uh this past uh for uh 10 days in a row but it wasn't all 10 days it was basically seven seven of those 10 days i was shooting and then i had some other half days off and that kind of thing within that but that was insane and crazy and uh y- you know uh, i'm uh, it's it's always it was a good experience it's always a good experience i did it last year i did it this year and uh it's uh it's different when you're shooting for somebody else rather than our wedding clients. You know like I um 9 times out of 10, you know, you're shooting for your wedding clients and the immediate feedback you get back is wow, that's incredible. That's amazing mm-hmm. because it's them that's in the photos, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you're shooting for like a, a a commercial client, you know, like there's no they don't have any, any of that passion, you know, like in (laughs) them, they the investment. And because it's, you know, you're looking at things more objectively, like on an image to image basis. And, um, but it's, it's really good because it makes you think about why you're shooting what you're shooting. And also the other thing too, is like, it's a lot about the advertisers. So like, while I would like for the bands, for example, I would, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm all about like, I want to do like the shoot throughs and like, And like do all these things, you know, like be creative and do all this artsy work. Right. But from their perspective, they need to show like it's a free event over 10 days and the advertisers put the put the event on. So it's Mm -hmm. like they want to show it from an advertiser's perspective when they're going out to look for advertisers next year or the year after. They need to show that this thing was put on by this particular bank and, you know, we got to have the bank you know and they're and they so it's like so mm-hmm. they're less excited about my artsy shots <laughs> you know and way more excited about when I get some 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 shot that I think is like some like whatever kind of shot you know but it has yeah, the advertisers yeah. in the side so it's a different uh, mind of, of shooting I could still do my creative thing but that, that, that really had to come secondary to like what they were looking at, you know at, at the use of those images for so
0: but um, it almost sounds like you can take it on as, as you know, thinking of shooting as a wedding. You, you do your safe shots yeah, and then you can do your artistic shots, especially when, when it's so many days that you can actually, you know, play around and, and test yeah. things too.
1: Yeah. And then actually this year, the other thing that like that was like made this gig a little bit more difficult for me in my head was like they so they so Delta was one of their advertisers oh, wow. and they had this Delta photo of the day. So every day I go out there and sometimes I was only shooting for four hours and they wanted this Delta photo of the day for me and I would like send them like my top five shots and then this like committee would pick like the top shot out of those five. So every day Mm. I'm like I'm like trying to get like these standard shots of advertisement stuff but then also like produce like seriously produce like these images that like these people are going to review every day and then pick pick a shot and it (laughs) it drove me a little (laughs) crazy on some of them because like sometimes I was sending these shots like oh they really should use the shot and then they w- you would use something else and uh <laughs> you know you have to like get in the heads of your clients and it was it was a good mm-hmm. experience for me um but it was uh good. you know yeah so you you learn a lot about yourself as we doing that kind of gig <laughs> anyway so i'm coming off of that and getting into wedding season and i uh, just literally you know trying to trying to catch up and shift um mm-hmm. from coming out of a time where i was you know, not shooting as much. So now it's like, OK, full speed ahead. Here we go. OK, Good. Um, so that's Good. Uh, <laughs> that's what we went up to. I'm going to do our little uh, uh, d- dialogue here and then get into our main topic. So uh, just uh, remember, listeners, we have an assortment of handpicked information that's relevant to you. But first, just in case you forgot your place in space and time, this is Wedding Photographers Unite a by Wedding Weekly photography. A by Wedding Weekly Photography Podcast? Sure. <laughs> However, I get those words in some kind of order. Um, oh, you're going to get
0: some hate mail over that one. <laughs> yeah, all
1: right. But uh, it is for wedding photographers.
0: By wedding photographers. Oh, now,
1: that was a, there was no excuse for that delay. There was no excuse for that delay. Sometimes he blames it on the internet, ladies and gentlemen. But that time, not the internet's fault.
0: I'm just, you know, okay. Uh, I, thought, I thought Eric was, was going to stop in uh, and okay, take okay, it over for okay. me. He didn't. He failed me, so.
1: That's <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, so uh, this show goes live every other week, and please do leave us a review in iTunes, subscribe in iTunes, uh, just like uh, two people recently did. Uh, Hannah wrote in. She oh, says yeah. that she right. uh, loves the podcast. These are on the iTunes reviews. If you haven't left us an iTunes review, please do, just like Hannah did. I love this podcast. My prior podcast for wedding photographers uh, may not be making any new episodes so i'm so happy to find this one explanation point explanation point the only reason i didn't give it five stars she gave us four is that we tend to veer from the main topic and often don't get right down to the topic (laughs) at hand uh, with that being said, all wedding photographers can benefit from the information these generous guys provide, and I do recommend it. Even when they've heard from the topic, they're usually providing information that can be used by anyone from photographing a wedding, explanation point. Listen to it, explanation point. Support these guys, explanation point. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, we hope that, um, uh, well, thank you, Hannah. We appreciate your review. Uh, and then we have mm-hmm. one more from, by, from Informative. Informative, gives us five stars. He says, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. no. I'm sorry. No, I got that wrong informative is the title of the of the of the review this is by mark okay i
0: I thought you got the stars wrong no
1: Uh, he did give us five stars i said such a great podcast they talk about gear workflow and lighting scenarios that will help you when out in the field i like how they have guest speakers and that they sometimes give insights on how they work with their clients and how they handle dilemmas in a tight wedding timeline Both Andy and Neil are knowledgeable and just as fun to listen to. As a wedding photographer, it's such a delight to hear um, wedding-related stuff. Highly recommended. Thank you very much, Mark. And uh, please do leave us a review on iTunes, too. That helps other people find and subscribe to the show. And thanks for listening in. Um, Also, uh, you can uh, send in questions to info at weddingphotographersunite.com. Or you can connect with us on our Facebook group and... Connect with us over there. Uh feel free to ask us questions. Uh the group is picking up um little steam. You know, there's conversations that are popping up from side time to time, which is kind of cool to see a little community build around the podcast, so that's awesome. Uh, join us over in there on the Facebook group. Uh, but if you don't like being doing the Facebook thing, which who could blame anybody for that? Uh you can you can always send us an email <laughs> to info about Okay. Main topic. Eric mirrorless. Uh, mirrorless. So so, like, actually before we even get into mirrorless, I'm curious to hear your, like what you were shooting prior to mirrorless and, and, um, and just what made you kind of like open the door to like the idea of shooting mirrorless. So like, what were you shooting prior?
2: Were you a, a Canon guy a Nikon guy? Sure. So I was a Nikon guy and I was a Nikon guy forever. Um, even back before I was doing weddings, shooting newspapers, that's actually when I started, uh, getting paid to be a photographer as I was a newspaper photographer. And the newspaper I worked for had a closet full of Nikon glass. So I bought a Nikon. I mean, that's about as much thought as I put into it at the time. But <laughs> I actually made a list, just, just so people know where I'm coming from. I made a list of all the Nikon cameras I've ever owned and shot professionally in some fashion. I'll read it real quick. The D100 and 200, D40 the 40X, the D80, 300, 300S, the D3, 3S, 4, 4S, 700, 750, 800, and 810. Wow. So <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's, that's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, it was as if I was sponsored by Nikon, but yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> okay. um, so I put somewhere around 1.4 million clicks of the shutter through my various Nikon bodies over the years. So it's not like I switched to mirrorless having shot for a year, and I don't really even know why I did it. I really, truly knew the Nikon system. I was heavily invested in. Uh, from a glass standpoint, like, you know, obviously like you guys are. Um, and so I came from Nikon and I switched directly to Fuji and that's where I've been ever since. So I'm a Fuji shooter, not a Sony shooter, not an Olympus shooter, uh, just Fuji cameras for me.
1: So what even prompted you to start looking into mirrorless? Was it the size? Was it the, the, I I mean, what are, I mean, we kind of know the benefits, but, but what kind of made you look at the Fujis and even kind of think about it?
2: So when I learned how to be a photographer, I learned on a Leica rangefinder, a film camera. Um, I don't shoot any digital Leicas because I'm not a billionaire. But uh, if I was, I might consider digital Leicas. <laughs> but uh, the first Fuji that caught my eye was the Fuji – they called it the FinePix X100. And now they're on like the fifth you know, iteration of that camera. But the X100 was that first one. It was a 35 f2 body. It looked like a Leica, like it looked like a rangefinder, and it mm-hmm. had the dual optical or electronic viewfinder. You could sort of pick and, back and this and is forth. this is not you couldn't change lenses on this. This is one. So right, you couldn't at the you couldn't at the time. They have some newer versions where you can, but at the time it was just a fixed 23 f2 it was a 35 f2 because it's a crop sensor. And what
1: year? What time frame and, is this? Like 2011, uh, 2012, something like that.
2: Yeah. This was like mid twenty eleven. Is I got my like early twenty eleven, um, and at the time I remember thinking, man, if I could ever shoot this at a wedding, what a, what an experience! But it wasn't possible at the time. It, it didn't offer important things that you need as a wedding uh, wedding photographer, which is like good autofocus, good low light performance, dual card slots. It didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. So it was just a walkabout camera. It was something cool to take pictures of my cats at the time or something, you know? And, uh, but that was the first sort of like introduction to Fuji that I had. And it wasn't until the technology in the cameras got a little further along where I carried one as a third body for a little while. And then once I was shooting 90% of the day on my third body, I'm looking at this bag full of lenses and equipment I'm not using anymore. And I just sort of made the decision that, the worst that happens is I switch back, and so I never did switch back to Nikon. But I sold all the gear, which then I used to purchase a lot of my Fuji gear, and that's kind of how I made the trans- uh, transition. So you, mm. so
1: that's actually I could see that because you know you buy a third body and you, you're thinking, all right, um, I'm happy with my main gear, but if I pick up this third body, maybe I'll shoot some shots with it. And did you? I mean, did it did it like shift from like ten percent to twenty to thirty to forty, or like how fast did you go from shooting all your you know the the DSLRs, and over how long a period of time?
2: I think I was so excited in the beginning. I shot everything on the it was, it, on the Fuji body that I had. It was an X Pro, which I don't use the Pro line anymore. I use the XT two. What were uh, you? I, I'm, I I'm sorry. I'm
1: I'm just trying to get in your head, like at the time. So so, what bodies were you shooting then? What Nikon bodies were you shooting? And, so and, I had a
2: and and, and, and sorry, <laughs> 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 sorry. What what year is this uh, when this is happening? All right. So this was. Probably 20, like 13, is when I started getting frustrated with my Nikon gear, and it was 2014 where it became clear that like I got to bail on this system, and so that for me was when I shot uh, I shot one wedding. I was in Beverly, Massachusetts, and I had a pair of D750s and a, a D4s that I became a backup to my 750s. Oddly enough, you wouldn't think that would be the case, but I love that 750. But I had in one wedding within one hour. Uh, both cameras give me the banding issue, like at that wedding, and I didn't. I, I just, I was so frustrated that not only did one body give me the banding issue, but so did the, so just did my second. Describe body. the
1: uh, banding issue for our listeners. So that, it's,
2: yeah. if you if you own a 750 and this happens to you, it's covered under warranty, so it's acknowledged by Nikon. So it's okay. You can send it in, and get it fixed. But essentially, what happens is if you look at the if you look at the frame of the image, the bottom half of the image will be black, almost like when you have your Uh, shutter speed too fast for your flash. You kind of get half the flash, Mm -hmm. except it happened when you were outside in the middle of the bright day. So the banding issue was that there was an issue with the way the shutter was opening and closing. So it was something that they fixed, and that's fine. But at the time, I just remember thinking, this was the maybe the straw that broke the camel's back yeah
1: both my original 750s because i got them when they came out originally they both had that issue where there was all the light leaking and that kind of stuff coming in and and it was frustrating until they fixed it but okay so so that's interesting so it's at that time
2: period all right yep so it was around then so but at the time i had a pair of d4s bodies i sold one to buy two 750s i kept a d4s as a as just like a third sort of like a trunk kit. Uh, and then of course I ended up selling it all anyway. So the transition, my my third body with Fuji was an X Pro, which has the dual optical viewfinder and EVF. Um, I've gotten away from using or even liking the OVF, and a lot of people love it. I just I'm so spoiled with the EVF, I could never go back to the OVF. But um, so I was kind of toggling between the two, and then when I discovered the XT one body, which it only has an EVF, doesn't toggle back and forth. Um, it was the XT one body where it became very clear that this is capable of shooting a wedding. It's going to fit the way that I approach wedding photography. And it's, I mean, it's a 10th, the weight it's, it's a third, the size. And it was just a very easy transition for me at that point.
1: So the X pro was when you were shooting the D seven fifties and, and was that when you already went to about 90% with that X pro?
2: Yeah, I, lo- I love that X Pro and I still actually still have it. It's older technology at this point, but you could still fire off and mess around with it if you like OVF. But yeah, that's what the one that I had. I rented an X Pro through like Lens Pro to Go, and then as soon as my rental was up, I bought one because I loved it. And so that's what I shot, and that's sort of what helped me fall in love with the Fuji slash just general the mirrorless system. It was the XT one body. Where I, it became clear that this could be a wedding photographer's kit, and this is what I'm going to do.
1: Did you start? Mm. Um, I'm I'm like I'm just trying to go. <laughs> I'm just trying to like go back to that time <laughs> to understand. So when you're shooting this X Pro, you were shooting about ninety percent of your images as opposed to the D750s because of the banding issue. Um, and that camera, I don't know anything about it at all. This is a Fuji uh-huh. X Pro. I'm sure it was probably single card
2: slot. And yes, slower autofocus, right? Yep. So um, the X Pro, the X Pro. Here, here's what happened. All of a sudden, I found myself really slowing down as a wedding photographer. So where I used to come home with my Nikon gear with maybe four thousand images from a eight or ten hour wedding day, um, I I noticed I was coming home with way just a, a a lot less in the amount of data that I had to deal with. So I was shooting twelve or fifteen hundred images from an entire wedding day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it slowed me down in the sense that, at the time, the autofocus wasn't quite as good. Um, there were some limitations in sort of how the gear would function, but I didn't see those as bad things. I saw that as, okay, Eric, slow down. You don't need to be firing at 14 frames a second all day. Like You can think about your composure, think about your exposure a little bit more than you have been for the past four years. And that's what the Fuji system did for me. It slowed me down. Um there were limitations with the X-Pro, and now they're up to the X-Pro 2, which is just a slightly sort of beefier version of the X-Pro. Um, but there were limitations like the dual card slots and those kinds of things. But uh, And the X-T1 only had a single card slot too. I shot about 100 weddings on a pair of X-T1s with single card slots. So it was sort of always in the back of my mind. The X-T2 bodies, which is what I shoot now, they have dual card slots, so that's fine. That's been remedied. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just found myself sort of reliving my youth when i did have and i still have it uh like an old leica m3 and I, even though it wasn't 100 rangefinder experience it was it was that slow it was a little bit more methodical um it just made you think a little bit more about why am i taking this photo or why am i taking 14 of them in a second do i really need to be doing that is one photo of the boutonniere enough, why am I delivering 15? Mm-hmm. It's just a different mindset on wedding photography. And for whatever reason, the Fuji system, a lot of people talk about The Fuji system or just generally a mirrorless system slows you down a little bit, just enough to kind of, I think, elevate your work. And it just allows you to be more thoughtful and more mindful on, on what you guys know can be a pretty chaotic day when you're shooting a wedding. So you mm-hmm. wouldn't
1: say you didn't switch to that camera for, because it was technically better, than like no, the it was not system. technically better okay right
2: no it actually it actually lacked a lot of the things that maybe wedding photographers would would say are must-haves so the dual card slots of course but uh, great ability to focus in low light uh, focus tracking ability those things in the beginning of the fuji system that those weren't there and so that's why i adopted earlier than most people is because i got in before the technology caught up now with my xt2 body um the low-light focus is outstanding. The dynamic range is, I mean, it's outrageous. The detail you can pull out of the shadows is just phenomenal. Um, the ability to track focus is fine. There's no issue regardless of what you read. If if people are telling you they can't track focus, they're probably just doing it wrong because I find it to be just as easy as my D4Ss or my 750 bodies okay, used to be. Okay,
1: so comparing, this is what I'm curious because I still shoot, I shoot D750s, so... And I am – I am <laughs> as much as maybe I should slow down and, you know, to some extent, I can totally understand why you're saying what you're saying. I'm curious from a technical standpoint, comparing, like, the 750s to – is it the X-T2 that you're shooting now? Yep. The X-T2s. What do you – and maybe you don't need to because your exposure is always right on and these kinds of things. But, like, what is – you know, if you compared the dynamic range to, like, the 750s – and uh, and and you're saying the autofocus is just the, is just as quick. Um, so you basically just said that. So, but like, how's the dynamic range and other technical aspects? Are is there anything that's ISO. lacking when you compare it now? Or yeah,
2: no. So um, like my XD two bodies, uh, ISO ten thousand. I don't even think twice about it. I actually so unlike a lot of wedding photographers, I keep my base ISO at sixteen hundred. I don't ever actually take an image that has an ISO lower than that because I just like grainy looking photos but um the grain at 6400 10,000 it's the same as the 750 if you've ever pushed your cameras up to that level um i think they're pretty usable me personally photographers may disagree but if you're talking about 3200 4,000 it's it's fine the grain is fine um the dynamic range pulling details out of the shadows or recovering from from highlights what's popular now is to shoot underexposed and sort of bring right. things out a little yeah, bit in post. i'm about that. Uh, i feel like I feel like the Fuji bodies were designed for people who approach their post-processing like that because you can pull details out of the shadows that I wasn't getting out of my 750 files or my my like my like D3S was really good at that. I feel like the, the XD 2 is better than those. Yeah, but to you, though, because
1: if you're shooting 1600, I know that usually when you shoot 1600, or like, I don't know, at least on the Nikons, the higher up in ISO you go the harder it is to like push shadows. Um, and usually once you get higher and higher, then it's harder to do that. Um,
2: but sure. Or, yeah. Well, like I most people don't approach wedding photography with a base ISO of 1600. Mm-hmm. I just happened to, I used to add grain <laughs> into my Nikon images because okay. I just didn't have enough of it. I know that that's crazy. I took a workshop with your vent once and that's what he was doing. And I just locked onto that but like you, five years uh, ago. But...
1: but even like with 1600, like, so do you, you probably don't shoot shallow outside of 1600 on a bright day
2: no i'll lower it if, i'll lower it. okay so, so you will at, well, once in a while you'll lower it yeah. once okay right. yeah okay because if i want to shoot at like one like if i want to use my 56 one two at one two and i'm outside right. at noon obviously okay. it's not going to work but uh, okay. once i'm inside or i'm in a church it's it's grain all day and it just feeds my soul yeah. the, the grain that i yeah i can un- cases,
1: i i so. can understand that i'm see i'm more of a 3200 guy once i'm in great sign me up that's
2: fine yeah. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> um um, so, so no, the dynamic range is there. And actually, when I listened to your, uh, the episode where you had recorded when the a nine came out, I thought of Neil because, um, unlike maybe what I do, I know Neil pulls a lot out of his raw files. I've never seen you edit, but I'm assuming a lot of work goes into what you're eventually giving out on the, on the back end. And I thought, man, if there was ever, uh, if there's ever a photographer who would love, RAF files, which, you know, Fuji's raw system uh, would mm-hmm. be nailed, because the, the amount of flexibility and leeway you get with these files, uh, especially if you're going to shoot at like ISO 100 and pop a bunch of flash or something, the, yeah. what you can do with these files is um, I'm not even taking full advantage of it because of the way I shoot, but I mean, it's just mm-hmm. incredible what you're, what you're, the details you're able to re- recover, and the range, and how the, the sensor sort of treats color uh, is to me, it, is, there's nothing, I haven't shot a lot of sony but um mm-hmm. there's nothing nothing matches it
0: at least not yet yeah that's why i'm interested in the uh in the whole system but you had mentioned uh, popping off flashes and that's one of the, one of the things i really want to get get into is uh your lighting accessories of of what you're using
2: yeah so there is this myth uh specifically with fuji gear that there isn't like a usable or uh, you know, professional level flash solution, whether you're on camera or off camera. Um, and that was the case for a long time. There was not much in the way of flashes that you could use with a Fuji with a Fuji system. That 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 myth is now, uh, it's gone. That's not the truth anymore. So um, I fire all off camera. I don't really do any on camera. So I use just a pair of pocket wizards uh, mm-hmm. that I actually was a carryover from my Nikon system. Okay. Um, and so I don't use them in TTL mode or anything uh they're i use the flex tt the flex 5 the mini ttls whatever they are um mm-hmm. to for me they're just like manual flash triggers that yeah. just pop the flash that's the, how yeah. I shoot yeah the more flash. that i okay. shoot
1: flash off camera the more it's you know it's always manual like i have like i used yeah. to when i first mm-hmm. started play with ttl but then you have no idea what the hell's going on you know you have no clue <laughs> right. what's going on the computer's making some shit up and it's like not it's, doing uh, what you want it to do anyway so just make a decision you know on, yeah, on manual it was, so
0: it's it like was, yeah, TTL is always too bright for me. I don't know why, but... It's always yeah, 100%. Too-
2: yeah, I don't even know how to... Use, like, I don't even know how to... I don't even know if, how, if I could put my camera into TTL. I truly don't know. <laughs>
0: right. uh,
2: I guess I could look at the manual or something. Right. But um, <laughs> So I fire some flashes off camera with a set of pocket wizards. The flashes I have are Nikon flashes because I just had them and I'm not going to... You know, I just never replaced them. Um, and so, be, you know, I... I maybe put a couple on the dance floor if I have to. I shoot maybe one or two flashes at the most at a wedding. Um, I keep them at low power, like 32 power, 64 power, because I shoot at both higher ISOs and I'm always shooting at like one two or one four almost at all times. So um, you, the flash issue that used to exist, where people would say, "Well, you can't use flash at Fuji and you can't always shoot available light," and that was true. That's totally gone. You could use any flash system. You could fire if you have them. You could fire Alien Bees or Einstein's or but whatever you got, whatever system you have now, all you need is a set of triggers to to work that into your into your workflow, and it, it would be it would be totally seamless. So yeah, I, I think that okay. I
1: think the technology okay. is past those issues with flash. I know that like those young nows, like you could put them on top of cannons. I think you can put them on top of everything, you know. And they just they just work because it's either fire or not. And especially if you're shooting manual, then it's just all doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So that's that's good to know, though. So the flash, you know system and if you are shooting ttl and you're listening to this uh just stop just do something (laughs) no no, actually the only time i'll use ttl is if it's like on camera and i'm and it's changing a lot at a reception and you know i'm trying to bounce off of walls and but i'll but actually i agree with you neil i think usually ttl is a little too hot in most cases so i just dial down Mm -hmm. i exposure compensate under like like usually like half a stop to a stop but um Okay, cool man. That's uh that's good. What was I going I was going to ask you something else. Uh, oh, was, yes. well,
0: well th- th- go ahead. Think about it, Eric. What else is in your in in your camera bag? Uh so I keep it really pretty
2: simple. That's the other thing that you can do when you switch from maybe DSLR kit to a mirrorless kit is you not yeah, only use. Sh- that's why I asked, yeah. Yeah, you shed the weight and the size because the gear is just physically smaller, but you also like uh, at least what happened to me was I got rid of so much of the the equipment that I just I either never used or I would use it so very rarely it wasn't worth it. So my current entire setup is I shoot with two bodies at the same time. Um, one has a 56-1, which is the equivalent of an 85-1-2 uh, if you're a full-frame shooter. And then one has a 23-1-4, which is the equivalent of a 35 one So I'm one of those 35-85 shooters like a lot of people. Um, I have some other lenses in the bag. I have a 10-24 to if I need to shoot something super wide. Uh, I can do it. That's a fixed f4, um, and then I have a uh, a couple of the 35s. I have an f2 and an f1.4, strictly a, which is essentially a 50, uh, 50 mil focal length. That's strictly a backup if the 23 or the 56 were to go uh, wait, down. Wait, hold on. Are
1: those cameras full frame?
2: No, so the Fuji cameras that I shoot are not full frame; they're a 1.3 crop uh, CMOS sensor. Okay, uh, but again, another myth is okay. Well, you're you're a crop sensor shooter, so you can't shoot at higher ISOs. It's, it's not going to look good. And again, that has totally gone away as well. Uh, at least, at least I feel because I'm comparing my my Nikon bodies, which are all, all full frame, to my my 1.3 crop sensor Fuji bodies, and there's no from an ISO standpoint, there's no there's no difference.
1: Okay. Uh the lenses cuz i know so little about the fuji system uh the lenses uh do they have a full frame option for those same lenses or are they designed specifically for your mirrorless system
2: these lenses are designed for um the fuji system that i shoot fuji has a medium format system that I just came out with but it takes us it's a g mount instead of a instead of the x mount so it's a totally different set of lenses so if i were to get that medium format system that my lenses wouldn't attach. There'd be no way to make them work. Mm. So um, so I guess a, a thing you have to get used to or just wrap your head around if you're going to drop, if you're going to go from a full frame and drop down into a crop sensor is just getting your head around doing that. Because I feel like maybe when I first started out in like 2008 or something, uh, I looked at, and I was shooting like a D80. Or I, I looked at full frame as like, oh man, if I could just shoot full frame, I'd I'd make it. I would have done it. You know, I'm I'm a pro. Um, and so it was a little <laughs> weird to say, well, now I'm going to be going back to like a one three or you know, a like crop sensor body, an APS mm-hmm. body. But um, but it's the technology has come so far in the last ten years that the whole myth of you're losing out on dynamic range or ISO capability by dropping down into a crop sensor that's that's gone.
1: Okay. Yeah. I guess that, that makes sense to me as the technology has gotten better. Um, I think you're probably with a lot of this stuff now with a lot of these cameras and cameras, I think people are really nitpicking, you know, between, between the, what these cameras are capable of now. So yeah, I mean, I, I actually, you know, I've been, as I've been shooting, I've, I'm still, you know, I'm shooting the two camera bodies. I, I, you know, shoot primes on each side and, and I've been noticing like the weight on my back. Like I, should, I use the holdfast leather system and just the weight has been getting to me recently. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm, as I get older, you know, I've been thinking about, first of all, uh, what are those, the systems where you put it on the side on your belt? And so oh, the of, spider holsters. Yeah, yeah. Considering those spider holsters is one thing to get the weight off my back because I've been, I have been kind of feeling it lately, but also I've been thinking, man, I would love to just go in and shoot light and shoot something mirrorless. And that's why that the a nine was kind of, peaking my interest
2: um, but maybe yeah, so the a9 game. is interesting because the a9 to me is sony saying to you guys to like you two or people just like you is saying okay you probably looked at the fuji system or you looked at like the a7 series or something or you looked at the olympus system mm-hmm. or even the even the leica q you know maybe maybe you just for some reason you were looking at that it's <laughs> like sony saying to you guys like okay we'll ignore all that because this a9 is going to change everything so if you thought there were limitations in switching from a dslr system to a mirrorless system and you were worried about doing so it's like the a9 is like don't don't worry because the tech in this camera is so much better than even like your d5 or whatever you have now that this the switch will be even easier that's how i look at the a9 like a total i haven't shot one because i i have no reason to own a sony um and I always felt up until maybe about three weeks ago that Sony was for videographers only in, in my head. That's what I felt. Um, but I feel like the A9 is like, hey, wedding shooters, we we, we acknowledge that you exist and we're going to blow your minds. So here's the camera that's going to do that. That's what I feel when you read about what the A9 or you look at the spec files like those raw files online. It's like totally mind blowing.
1: Have, have hmm. you seen because uh, there was just something that. A post that came out basically saying that the dynamic range was when they thought it was because it's uh, they made the camera
2: built for speed rather than dynamic range. Have you seen those articles? Do you have any thoughts on that? I did. There was an article I think on F-stompers or Petit Pixel or one of them anyway. So um I did see that. I I don't know. I looked at the tests and I'm not a pixel peeper. Like I don't I don't think I crop in a hundred percent on any photo I deliver. It just to me if the photo works, it works. If it prints well even better. Um I didn't see, like, the big, like, people were making out, like, it's such a big deal uh, that the tests on the dynamic range were, like, you know, only 85% of what, you know, Sony had claimed it to be when they did the press release. I mean, let's say that is the case. Let's say it's 50%. If you look at the ability of the A9 Um, just with the focus, just with the 690, whatever focus points it is, whatever outrageous amount of (laughs) phase detection. I mean, just that alone and the 20 frames a second, which is like, you're edging into, you're just making a movie soon. Like you're, you're not even a still shooter anymore. You're just filming and you're pulling stills from it at 20 frames a second. Um, if you look at what the, what the camera is giving you outside of maybe, maybe the dynamic range isn't quite what they said it would be, although it's still even too early to tell. Um, I, to me, I'm very interested in at least trying it. I mean, I'm such a, I have such devotion to Fuji, but this, when I read that release, I was like, I could for 4,500 bucks, maybe 1,500 for a lens, I, I could probably get my hands on one of these. I have to try it if I feel like it's that kind of a camera.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, um, I mean, you you switched before in the past. You you.
2: I don't see myself switching systems again, um, but the Sony A9 might be one of those cameras where two years from now it's still so relevant that I, I feel like I should just have one in my bag or, or something. I don't know. I haven't shot one yet, but if you just look at
0: what it's supposedly bringing to the table, um, mm-hmm. it's pretty wild. Well, I mean, if, if you're so pro Fuji, uh, do you know of any rumors that's going on? Anything that you're have? Anything you looking forward to that Fuji might be coming out with next? What, what What's on your...
2: So yes and no. Uh, wish, so he, wish list. Here's my concern. I, I feel that the X-T2 that I'm shooting is so perfect that what's going to happen is Fuji's going to come out with like the X-T3 or whatever it ends up being. And it's going to be too many megapixels for me. Uh, the current one is 24. It's going to be like 36 or something. It's going to have a touch screen, which I don't really want. I don't really need. um and that's okay. That's where like the this is where cameras are going. Cameras are slowly just becoming iPhones until one day we're all out of business because iPhones are too good anyway. Um, but I feel like the 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 XT2 body for me and the, my way of shooting is like a level of perfection I didn't know I could be at. So if it if they release if they start to release and every firmware upgrade it gets more amazing, which is just crazy, but um, I don't feel like I'm going to need anything more than what I have right now at least not for a while. So if an XT3 comes out and it has a lot of tech I just don't need, I probably will pass on it at least until, mm. at least until my camera becomes like so out of date that like I, I very begrudgingly get rid of my D3S camera bodies because I love them, but like I was shooting 12 mega, megapixel images and I just couldn't really justify it as a professional anymore. So I think it'd have to be that sort of uh, shove to get me to leave what I'm currently shooting.
1: Yeah. Mm. I kind of I feel you on that because that's kind of how I feel about my my 750s. I'm like these cameras do everything I need them to do. The only thing that I would really change for is like the weight and if something else did something amazing that this camera doesn't do and I'd be moving for tech. You know what I mean for tech specs, you know? And and I think we are nitpicking on a lot of this stuff now, you know, like on the difference between these cameras. So like actually convince me, convince me why somebody who's shooting the D seven fifties should consider moving to like, uh, I mean you, and you've already kind of made some yeah. of your, some of your points, but like, but like, I'll if, tell you why. Okay. Yeah. I'll give
2: you, I'll give you a perfect example of why you should switch tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> at my, at my last wedding, I hired a second shooter who I hadn't worked with maybe in a couple of years. And he's a, He's incredible photographer really really good and uh he's shooting a 5d a canon 5d mark 4 so he's got the new one with the slidey touch screen and everything mm-hmm. and so he had a grip with the two batteries uh an external on on camera flash like the 580 ex or whatever it is and a 70 to 200 hanging off the front oh, of his camera and he had yeah. he put it down on the vendor table when we were taking a break for dinner and i was holding in my left hand my whole camera bag with both bodies and two lenses clicked onto him and then in my right hand i was holding his entire you know his 70 the whole thing and i said i said mike your camera is heavier than my entire wedding kit and that's just (laughs) all you need to know about switching okay (laughs)
0: that's a pretty good argument especially what i was just
2: saying before um especially with your back hurting yeah that's uh that's that's a pretty good sale
1: so what is your longest focal length that you currently shoot right now you might have mentioned it but 85 or do you 85
2: that's the the longest i have so in the fuji system it's a 56 but it's an 85 and it's a one two so i actually never even when i had my nikon gear i never owned anything longer i've never owned a lens longer than an 85 um it just was never a part of my like gear repertoire so i never had a seventy-two hundred or a fixed 200 f2 or something like i never had any of those um that might seem odd to a lot of wedding photographers specifically because if you get in some of these churches if you weren't there's one church in boston that's like two football fields long it's unbelievable <laughs> um so but honestly like i tell people like you got to zoom with your legs like if you just if you got to get in close you have to get in close yeah. so mm-hmm. um it's those situations where i might switch to the electronic shutter and i just sort of sidle up to where i have to be and, yeah. and click 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 so yeah it's a different approach um, I mean Fuji has zoom lenses, and they have longer reaching lenses i just yeah. i've never owned any of them anyway see
1: i've i 've tried to come off of my seventy to two hundred to like never use it, but I still have it uh you know but there are some situations where it 's like i 'll be in a church and like the dude won't, the dude i say dude but the priest won 't let me get to a certain point you know like don 't be beyond this this row or something like that, and then I kind of like default back to it um So, but I guess, you know, not every shot needs to have close ups. And if, and if you can't get that, get as close as maybe I'm used to to
2: shooting in my head, then maybe that just is what it is. Um, Right. I mean, it's stylistically. uh, Yeah. And Fuji does, Fuji has a 90 F2, which is like a 135. And I have a buddy of mine who owns it. And it's nice. It's sharp. It focuses fast. I don't personally own it. Uh, I've used it just to mess around with it. But um, yeah, there are situations where you, you know, if you, if you got to be closer, you got to be closer. And, and I always, I always just go back to this, this, I hear, I can hear my editor saying it when I worked in, in the newspaper industry was, um, zoom with your legs. And, and that's what I sort of learned to do. I've just always shot primes and I've always shot like super fast, wide open primes as long as I've sort of been do, doing this.
1: Yeah. Cool. Um, well that's, uh, that's, that's a pretty good, uh, rundown. Of, uh, of of mirrorless and shooting anything else you want to
2: mention uh that's, there is so yeah. um this is the biggest change to my workflow i mean besides the weight and the whole thing i mean obviously that's good but the biggest change is i'm actually at a point now where i'm delivering 90% of my images i'm delivering the jpegs i'm not delivering or editing raw files anymore so like uh depending on your editing style i mean that may not at work for for somebody at all but um I roll JPEGs to one slot and raw files to the other. So I have the raw files if I need to revisit them for one reason or another, but the JPEGs that come out of the camera are so good and so like color perfect. If you, you custom white balance like I do, um, it's a little bit more work when you're shooting the wedding, but I'm at a point now where I'm about to do on my YouTube an, a video on editing. I call it the five hour wedding edit. So I'll sit down, uh, around 9am, maybe on an average weekday. Um, call the images in a couple hours, edit in three hours. And I usually deliver the wedding wedding by maybe eight o'clock that night. Once I've had a little bit of time to digest the images. So um, I'm shooting 60 weddings a year, but I'm never, I'm very rarely going into a weekend having carrying over editing from the weekend before yeah. that is 100% because the JPEGs need other than maybe you have to crop them a little bit, or was you were tilted because you thought tilting was cool at some point for some reason, but <laughs> other than that, um, once you and but now I keep the digital horizon because oh, yeah. now the such 2000, a, uh...
1: 2009 version of me disagrees. <laughs> oh so
2: it's so oh god yeah two thousand nine version of me would just love me uh, last yeah. wedding because right. but I keep the horizon on now to stop being right. know, <laughs> so other than like cropping and 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 maybe I like a little like like I like the blacks to be blacker but otherwise the JPEGs are fine and I deliver them from the camera to the couple and sometimes I don't even I call them and I don't they don't get touched again. I know that seems crazy if you're a wedding photographer and you're editing raw files or you're taking 40 hours to edit a wedding, as a lot of people do, um, or you're you're farming your editing out and you're paying like the image salon or pro DPI to do it because you cannot fathom getting so bogged down with editing and still running a business. Um, at least consider a mirrorless system if you just look at these JPEGs, like, I don't know if it's three or 400 bucks to have someone else edit your wedding. You're also retaining that income back in house by simplifying your workflow. Mm-hmm. So that's not yeah. going to work for everybody. Like I don't think <coughs> Neil Urban is going to deliver uh straight out of camera JPEGs, but um, I think there are people like myself who that does work as part of the workflow. Yeah. It's a
1: different, it's a different mm-hmm. mentality. And actually I think it's probably a better business mentality. Um, you know, I think like uh like a few years ago, like, Everybody was like really ragging on dudes that still deliver JPEGs. You know, it was kind of like you know, like what are you thinking? Why would you do that? And a lot of those guys, even then, were saying, you well, know, well, it's easier. It's easier to edit. It's easier to deliver. Um, you know, there's less involved. But like, I feel like now it's it's kind of from what you're saying, I could see that. You know, from a business perspective, um, you know, if you're shooting clean in camera, if you're white balancing in camera, if you can save yourself that amount of editing time, then it becomes a financially worth it to do it and it's not to say that you couldn't take like you couldn't still take like your top 10 shots and you know open the raw files and put some polish on them and the creative style I guess but but if your overall style is is just delivering clean you know images and without much special sauce to it then then by all means. You know, you know like as far as uh, from a business standpoint, I guess.
2: Yeah, and I still do like I do an artist pick, I take my top 20 and I might give them a little bit more uh a little bit more cleanup than maybe some of the others and I will dip into the raw files for those specifically. Uh but that's because I'm trying to make the sky look cool. When like that's really just an optional thing, you know what I mean? Like the sky doesn't have to look super dramatic in every photo and I don't have to pull the highlights out every photo. So for an artist pick, yeah, I might roll with the raw files, but otherwise if if I deliver six to seven hundred images from a, from a wedding which is what I deliver I don't know if that's low or high but um, I'd say like 450 500 of them are just the jPEGs and the other ones I dipped into the raw files because I just for one reason or another I, I felt like I had to
1: okay mm-hmm. cool man cool. well uh, awesome awesome conversation and thank you for for jumping sure. on man it was a pleasure uh, definitely definitely nice perspective to be thinking about as, as the mirrorless these mirrorless cameras are starting to gain, you know, in the technical side, which which maybe when you jumped in, wasn't there, but now things are kind of evening out. So more people are going to be interested in this kind of topic. Um, now that it's actually reality. I know that, um, you know, there are some, some people were talking about years ago, but, and, but now I feel like now is this turning point where the technical side has really just like caught up. Um, so, so I feel like this is going to be, more and more of a conversation going forward as people maybe make a shift to mirrorless. So it was good to have you on and, and, uh, and start thinking about it, uh, and mm-hmm. see where things go.
2: So yeah, yeah. happy to be here. Happy to chat. Yeah. Thanks
1: Excellent. man. Uh, so we'll, uh, I think we're just going to end the show here cause we didn't have any, uh, picks or anything like that earlier before we talked to uh, pregame. Uh, so, so I think uh, this, we're good. We're coming up on just about an hour. So I think we're going to wrap up,
2: uh, Eric, where can uh, people find you? You can find me everywhere, uh, com, photography, com, Facebook, Instagram. I'm, I'm there. I'm out there. You can find me.
1: And, uh, check out his, uh, YouTube channel too, because, uh, when Eric originally sent us an email, he sent us, uh, his, uh, YouTube, video and it was, it was really nice. Uh, kind of went through, and actually it was an, it was a, what's in your bag, uh, uh, YouTube. So if you want to check out what's in his bag, uh, that's, a especially after hearing this podcast, that'd be a cool video to go check out. Um, and, uh, and you know find him and, and check out the video and follow him because i think he's getting started with a nice youtube channel over there so uh neil uh where can people find you
0: neil urban n-e-a-l-u-r-b-a-n facebook instagram all that stuff
1: okay and am i am andy buscemi last name is b-u-s-c-e-m-i google me follow me find me and we'll see you there uh join us in the facebook group people and uh we'll uh, c- continue on the conversation then So uh, thanks Mm -hmm. for joining in for episode number 61 of Wedding Photographers Unite, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody.
0: Wedding Photographers
1: Unite.